This podcast is going to cover the very hot and often misunderstood topic of networking. I'm sure you've heard it a lot. Some people will tell you it doesn't add a lot of value. Others will tell you it does add value. And you're going to get many conflicting opinions. So what I wanted to do today is maybe give you some perspective and tell you how to use it, when to use it, and when to look out for when networking. Now, it is true that networking, simply meeting ex-consultants or current consultants of the big three or any of the other firms, doesn't add a lot of value. At most, they're going to give you some perspective. They're going to tell you what to expect, and you're going to build some pseudo kind of relationship. But there is a possibility that networking could help in two distinct ways. Firstly, if someone really likes you and thinks you have a lot of potential, they may be willing to submit your resume into the application process. And if your application is submitted or referred by an existing consultant or current consultant of a firm, you almost automatically get an interview. In fact, for most firms, you are guaranteed an interview. So networking does help in that regard. It doesn't help with regards to cases once you get into the interview. So let's assume you've built a fantastic relationship with one of the principals from BCG. And because of that, he submits your resume and you get an interview. You will not have any benefit from that relationship once you begin the interview because different partners and different people will interview you and you will have to pass the case. So the benefit of networking is primarily to help you get into the interview. However, if you build a very good relationship with people and after the interviews, the people who interview you speak to their colleagues And before the interview, colleagues also speak to them and provide background. So if you network well and create a positive impression, that impression is carried through back to the firm and can tinge the view that an interviewer has of you in a very positive way. So just to recap, networking serves two primary purposes. One, to help you get the interview if someone really likes and is willing to submit your resume. And two, can create a positive impression for you. So when people say networking doesn't help, I would say networking only doesn't help you explicitly get the offer because someone else will be doing the interview with you versus the person you actually networked with in. But the bottom line is networking definitely helps, especially if you're from a non-target school and you need interviews. Uh, It's very difficult to go through the online process, which has thousands of resumes coming through. The best way is to network and get someone to submit your resume. other side of networking which is quite useful is if you're applying to a foreign office and you have no physical contact with an office. If you begin your networking say four or five months before your application, once you go through the online process a few people, senior, junior and even the HR staff are expecting your resume. It's very easy to follow up when someone is expecting your resume versus following up to find out why you declined when no one even knows who you are. So that's the third benefit of networking, especially for foreign officers. But let's talk about networking. In a previous podcast, I said that networking is not meeting people. That's not networking. That's meeting people. Networking is when you meet someone, either for coffee or you speak to them on the phone. They like you. And because of the fact that they like you, the relationship strengthens. If you meet someone and they don't like you, and and it ends up damaging the relationship because of the way that meeting went, that's not networking. And you should not count that as networking. So never count networking as something that is progressing the more people you meet. That's not networking. You should regard yourself as progressing in networking the more people you meet and the more positive relationships you build. As long as you're not building a negative relationship, you are networking. 
So now that we covered what networking is and what it is not, let's see how it works. And to do this, we're going to work backwards because I'm going to show you the sequence of events and how to network very well using LinkedIn, your resume, and so on. And when I always start these discussions, people are always surprised how I'm going to use the resumes and LinkedIn and so on to help them network. So let's work backwards. Let's assume a candidate, Jill, is meeting a BCG engagement manager, or project leader as they call them, for coffee. Now, Jill would be a client of ours, and we would advise her to do the following. We tell her, Jill, when you arrive at the coffee chat, what you need to do is you need to have some explicit questions you want to ask the uh, person you're meeting, but the primary objective is to get them to like you. Always remember that. The primary objective when you meet someone for coffee, if you speak to them on the phone, is to get them to like you. People will only do things for you if they like you. No one is going to read your resume. No one is going to refer you to someone else. No one is going to answer your mails. And if you're lucky, no one is definitely going to submit your resume unless they like you. So don't try to be, do not try to be too focused on getting things from the person in that first coffee chat. Focus on them liking you. And people would like you for a number of reasons. Firstly, you must come across as professional, look prepared, be organized, be friendly, know why you want to have the coffee chat, know things about BCG so you don't look as if you're just arranging this meeting and have no real purpose for running it as it is. In follow-up podcasts, we'll talk about how to run a coffee chat in more detail. Here, I just want to talk about the sequence of how to actually end up at this stage. So let's say now you've had the coffee chat. The question is, how did you get to the coffee chat? Well, most likely you've had a previous phone call or you've had back and forth communication by email. Right? So you've, you know, you've sent them an invitation, you wrote to them based on a referral, and a few chats by email back and forth, you've agreed that it makes sense to meet. The best place to meet because you both live close by would be to meet after work at a Starbucks somewhere, and you agree to do that. Or you could have had a few conversations, which is the way it mostly goes. People would like to speak to you first and know that you can, you know, you, you have a purpose for the meeting and not just, you know, putting out feelers everywhere. And then they choose to meet you. But how does the call and emails occur? I mean, let's just step back for a minute. We spoke about the coffee chat. That's the end point. Before that, there's a few calls and emails exchanged. But what happens before that? Well, before that, you need to connect with the person. You need to actually find a way to connect with them. What we recommend people do is use LinkedIn. You'd be surprised at how useful LinkedIn is. Most of our candidates, we advise them not to use the paid-in service. You can simply use your own networks to connect to other people you don't know. Now, here's some counterintuitive things about LinkedIn, right? When you send an invite to someone for the first time, do not write a personal message. I know they tell you not to do this. I know this goes against every single conceivable rule that you have. But to be honest, no one reads the personal invite you write when you send them a LinkedIn invite. They simply look at your headline. They look at the school. They briefly skim your background. They think, hmm. This person is interesting. Let's link to them. In fact, if you write a personal message, my guess is you're probably going to do more damage than good. And there's another more practical reason for not writing a personal message. Let's assume you have no networks in consulting and you want to connect to 100 people. Imagine writing 100 personal messages, right? Imagine each personal message takes you five minutes to write. That's 500 minutes of just writing personal messages. You can do the math. I mean, divide it by eight, you get almost 50 hours. That's over two days, back-to-back -back hours, over 24 hours of writing messages, personal messages, just for 100 people 
and, and you don't even know if these people are going to accept your invite. You don't even know if they check their LinkedIn profile. You don't even know if they're interested in you. So what you should do is link to them, use the pre-prepared message LinkedIn generates, and send them the invite. If they write back to you, or if they accept your message, which they're most likely to do, then you can send them a personal message. That is screening out and saving your time so that you send only personal messages and use your time to send only personal messages to people who want to speak to you. Remember that. If you are sending personal messages to people you don't know, the odds are they're not even reading it. Now, the question is, if you think back for a minute, why would someone link to you on LinkedIn if they don't know you. Well, I mentioned that they read your profile. Now this is the, the step that comes before you go into LinkedIn. You need to have a good resume. Write your resume well. Spend a lot of time writing your resume. Download the Harvard format, the Kellogg format, the Wharton, the Stanford format, whatever, in SEAD, whatever works for you, right? The point is, few schools have very good formats. Spend a lot of time. Spend a month writing your resume well. Once you've written your resume well, then you use that as the basis to create your LinkedIn profile. Don't do what many people do. They create their LinkedIn profile first, which looks pretty bad. Badly written, grammar mistakes. It doesn't create a proper representation of who they are. And then they try to link to people on LinkedIn. People go to their LinkedIn profile. They look at this and say, it looks disorganized. This person is not clear what they're doing. They don't seem to have a history of accomplishment and they choose not to link to you. People don't link link to people they know on LinkedIn. They link to people they don't know because they want to improve their network. Right? Why would you link to someone you know on LinkedIn? It's actually counterintuitive. You're trying to improve your network. I know everyone tells you not to do this, but trust me on this. Link to people you don't know. Don't use personal messages. Have a good resume. Then build your LinkedIn profile. So now that I've given this to you backwards, I'm going to give it to you in sequence so you understand how it all fits together. The first thing you do is write a very good resume. I've mentioned it a few times. You can find some very good templates. We have a few templates that we offer for free. Uh, if you want it, write to Michael at Lululu and my assistant would send it to you. The point is write a very good resume. Take your time. Spend a month doing it. Get someone to read it. Send it to us. We offer a few a free resume checking service so we can also have a look at it for you. But the point is do a good resume. Create your LinkedIn profile. Use the meat from your resume to populate your LinkedIn profile. And remember, you have more space on LinkedIn, so you can put in things like publications. But write it in a very rich context. Don't use generic phrases like completed a study for a media company. Say that. What is the context? What did you do? What is the action you took? And what is the result? Obviously, protect confidentiality. If you're doing work for a consulting firm, don't mention the client. Protect confidentiality. Once you've now built this very strong LinkedIn resume online, you can then connect to people. Connect to people you don't know. Be broad in who you want to connect with. Do not stress and do not overthink this. We have candidates who overthink things. They'll spend weeks planning their strategy for LinkedIn when I just tell them, just do it. If someone doesn't want to write to you, that's fine. That's their problem. Just move on to the next person. And remember, link to people you don't know is fine. Do not write a personal message. You're just wasting your time. Remember the example I gave of 100 uh, LinkedIn invites, five minutes to prepare, 500 minutes is over two days of actually just writing invites. Once someone's agreed to link to you, send them then a personal message telling them you're interested in the firm, uh, you're about to apply in a few days, uh, you'd like to chat about the culture, the work done, and so on. Now, this is the part people get wrong. When they send that first personal invite, they keep it too long. I've seen people write half a page personal messages, not necessary. Your first message, again, should be just three lines. Hi, 
my name is Eugene. Uh, thank you for accepting my LinkedIn invite. I'm going to be applying to the Moscow office for McKinsey in the next three months. And I'd really like to know if you had some time to talk to me about the culture, the work, you know, any advice you had for me. That is the perfect message you send to someone after they link to you. If the person then responds, then you agree to speak to them or keep chatting by email. And remember, you just want to keep the conversation going. The objective is to get a phone call or to get a coffee chat. Because once you speak to someone or once you meet them in person, you tend to bond with them better. Once you've done those, uh, you know, that uh, dance of trying to get the meetings and you have the meetings, the objective of the coffee chat is then to always get them to like you. Do not be obsessed we're trying to get them to hand in your resume and so on. A relationship is not built overnight. And this is a professional relationship you are building. So you should absolutely focus on getting them to like you. And when I say get them to like you, I mean in a professional sense. Get them to like you, get them to respect you, get them to think that you'd be a valuable addition to their team. And then as you build this relationship continuously, they will eventually offer to submit your resume. Of course, some people never sub offer to submit your resume. So what you need to do is you need to understand the logistics here. If you, to 100 people that you send a LinkedIn invite, only about 30 are going to accept your invite. Of that 30, you'll only end up speaking to about 10 to 12 because of logistical issues. Maybe they're traveling, diaries clash, or maybe they just lose interest for a whole number of reasons. Of those 12 you speak to, you'll only maintain regular contact with about six of them. Of the six you speak to, you'll only develop very close relationships with maybe two or three who will be willing to read your cover letters, edit it, and so on. Of the three, only one or two is going to submit your resume. That is a very high strike rate, actually. So what you need to remember is this. Everything starts with your resume. You have a good resume that's well-written, allows you to build a strong LinkedIn profile, makes you attractive to people when you network to on LinkedIn, if you know why you want to join consulting and have a good story, you can have these great phone calls, which then leads to good coffee chats. And if you look purposeful and professional, people then want to help you. That is the key thing. People use networking too much as a transactional basis, and you should never look at it that way. Even if you meet someone and you think, maybe this person is not going to help me, do not be rude and just b fall off the face of the earth. Keep in touch with the person, offer to help them. Remember, sometimes people are not sure if they should help you. It is your job to prove to them that you would be a good person to build a relationship with. So maybe that person is looking to be connected with someone in a different sector. Maybe you can facilitate that connection. The point is it needs to be sincere. If people see this as transaction-based, if see people think that the only reason you're connecting with them is because you just want to weigh into a consulting firm, they will never help you. And in fact, there are numerous cases with candidates we've had whereby they would network with someone, that person wouldn't actually help them, but they'd maintain some contact. They would get in an interview into a firm and then they would fail the interview. And the person that they thought wasn't going to help them would then help them get a follow-up interview. So the point is you don't know who's going to be helpful to you. In fact, do not look at friendliness as the measure of helpfulness because a lot of people are friendly. In fact, some cultures, if you've ever been to Canada, everyone's friendly, but that doesn't mean people will help you. It's just the way the people are here. Canadians by nature are friendly. Swiss are very friendly by nature. South Africans are very friendly by nature. Australians are very friendly by nature. That is the way the culture is set up. So when you arrive here and you see everyone being very friendly, it doesn't mean they're going to help you. They're just being themselves. So do not confuse friendliness with building a strong relationship. What you should consider the signs of building a strong relationship is after you speak a few times, see if the person is actually offering you valuable advice. 
see if the person is actually going to take time out of their day, even if it's just four or five or even ten minutes, to respond to something you need. Now, don't become, you know, someone who's demanding things, but at times you may need some help and see how they respond to it. Ask for little things first. For example, you know, can they give you some advice on uh, this office you're applying to? Don't ask for big things. If the person is willing to help you on little things, then that's a good sign. And then you continue building that relationship. The key thing is that networking is a little bit like driving. I use this analogy a lot. You can't learn to network by reading books. You can't learn to network by planning your journey extensively. We've worked with people who have detailed spreadsheets of who they're going to connect, whether they're first level contact, second level contact on LinkedIn, what they're going to tell them. The point is you can't plan this. If you could plan it, computers would be speaking and handling telephone conversations with customers. The point is you can't plan it. You cannot plan a conversation because you don't know where it will go. So what you've got to do is you've got to network extensively, start the process of calling people and meeting them early as possible. So even if you're not good at it, you have enough time to make some mistakes, you have enough time to learn, and you have enough time to move on. That's the most important thing. The next one is you have to be very flexible in conversations because you can't plan everything. So I think we'll wrap up today's podcast there. The key thing is that great networking is free. Great networking is where you build a relationship and great networking starts from having a good resume and a very good story of why you want to join management consulting.